We formed our band amidst the mid-90s garage rock revival. Bands like the Oblivions, the Gories, the Blues Explosion, the New Bomb Turks, Zeke, the Makers, and the Headcoats all helped influence our sound, our style, our approach. When the Hives and the White Stripes eventually went overground, it was very deserving. But by then, we had already moved on. We had already started to strip away some of the novelty the genre carried with it, trading it in for straightforward hard rock music and its accompanying aesthetics. We turned our back on the garage scene, a scene that soon dissipated into the background instead of burrowing underground. I remember when we redirected our sound, it was daunting but freeing, being able to play monster riffs, long intros, jammy midsections, reference established rock bands like ACDC, ZZ Top, Kiss, Lizzie, something the garage scene would never dare to do. But what we didn't realize when doing so was that rock music we were now playing had no scene. The bands in this genre were megastars. There was no B-level. There was no underground infrastructure anymore. The bands in this scene were the victors of past scenes that had maintained and blossomed and were now tenured acts, unconcerned with what new bands like us had to offer. Unperturbed, we marched on and slowly found like-minded bands like the Backyard Babies, the Helicopters, Glucifer, and even though there still isn't a tight-knit community today, we're still always trying to find and kindle that elusive rock scene. It's the reason why we've taken out Judah, The Biters, Admiral Sir Cloudsley Shovel, 77, Dead Lord, Death Penalty, Tricky Woo, and the Tokyo Dragons out on tour. It's the reason I'll roll call Royal Thunder, Satan's Satyrs, Mojave Lords, King Gizzard and the Wizard Lizard, Endless Boogie, The Exploding Hearts, Night Flight Orchestra, Diamond Knights, Drunk Horse, and Broken Teeth at the drop of a dime in interviews to give the impression of a cohesive scene. But the truth is, these bands are all scattered and isolated from one another. Take Broken Teeth from Austin, Texas, a five-piece band that have been around since 1999 and fronted by one Mr. Jason McMaster. When I listen to Broken Teeth, I know that rock and roll is alive and well and in good hands. Their five-on-the-floor, ten-ton Mack truck split-your-skull approach had me hooked immediately. Equal nods to ACDC, Motorhead, Kiss, Judas Priest will, of course, make me an instant fan. And Jason is no novice to the rock and roll game. Having fronted the legendary Dangerous Toys and Watchtower, he also fronts the incredible Evil United. Sick, his tribute to Kiss. Kill 'em All, his tribute to Metallica. There's Godzilla Motor Company. There's the incredible Igniter and acts like Terminal 46. I don't think Jason sleeps. When a band is touched by the vocals of Jason McMaster, their stock triples. Jason can go from... Rob Halford to Bon Scott in the blink of an eye. He is one of my favorite rock and roll singers. I put him on a short list that includes all the luminaries I've already mentioned. I met Jason almost 15 years ago when we were out on tour with Turbo Negro in America. I remember walking into Emo's and this guy walking up to me and introducing himself saying he liked our band. That was Jason. We talked, exchanged pleasantries, 
I could tell this guy was a band guy, but when I realized who he was and that I had his albums before he had mine, I was shocked and flattered. Since then, we've always kept in touch, remained big boosters of each other's bands, and I even guested on the last full-length Broken Teeth album, Viva La Rock Fantastico, singing on Big Spender and the title track, even going so far as to appear with Jason in the video for Viva La Rock Fantastico, the quickest music video shoot I have ever taken part in. Broken Teeth have reloaded the barrel with their new EP, Bulldozer. I've wanted to have Jason on the podcast for a long time now, so I thought this would be the best time. As you will soon hear, Jason is chock full of stories and one of the most interesting cats I've met in the rock and roll game. It all makes for a great podcast episode. I want to thank Blue Mic Microphones and Skull Candy Headphones for their support of the podcast. Thanks to Chino Locos Restaurants for making fish burritos stuffed with chow mein noodles. Thank you for taking the time to listen to the podcast. It's free to listen to. It's free to download. It's free to subscribe. This podcast doesn't take advertisers. I'm not trying to drive any online traffic anywhere. I do this because I simply love to talk about rock with people and share stories. I hope you enjoy. Jason McMaster is this episode's guest on the official Danko Jones podcast, and it starts now. The Danko Jones podcast is the best around. They play the kiddies, take us, go out, tell them for free. I'm sad, glad I like to sometimes. Take me in from fucked up. Stop playing hang down, down. Why, me have to tell you, the Danko Jones podcast are the best podcast me ever hear in my life. Me and my girlfriend, them love to gather on the computer and listen every single episode. It's fantastic. You know, so them turn me on to so much exciting rock and roll band, rock and roll people, and some funny ass comedian. Yo, Nick Flanagan hilarious. And love to hear it up with Danko. What? You never hear Danko Jones podcast before? How are you there? Yeah, hi. What kind of rock you live under? Drop everything you do and go and go listen right now. Better yet, why you not make me come with you and listen? Me hear every episode already, but you don't know so it sound even better the second time around. Inspirational, educational, motivational. Danko Jones Podcast. Fierce! When the weather is bad and there's nothing much to do, take a listen, would you now, to what Danko Jones would do? It's the middle of the night and you better do it fast. Turn the speakers up loud for Danko's podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, get ready because the Danko Jones podcast starts. Hello? Hi. Hey, Jason, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. Well, how are you? I'm good. I'm doing good. I'm glad I can hear your voice. Awesome. Yeah. I'm glad I can hear your voice. It's been a while. You sound fantastic. So do you. Thank you, sir. I just woke up, so. Okay, I got you. I'm going to have coffee and all that while we're chatting. Okay, sure. So, Jason, it's uh, been uh, a few years since we've actually seen each other. But how you doing, man? I'm doing well. I uh, have been uh, busy and um, only traveling a little bit, but uh, I have been very busy uh, writing music and recording and uh, and that whole uh, daily grind 
working. Of course, I love my job, so. Well, you um, are someone who I don't ever see let up in terms of, like, music. You've got a tons of different projects, some more serious than others, but all worth a listen. And, um, of course, everybody knows you who knows rock and roll, who's into rock and roll, from the obvious, Dangerous Toys. You were the lead singer, and still are, the lead singer of Dangerous Toys, um, a legendary rock and roll band from, from Texas. Um, but your new rock and roll outfit is really why I'm calling you and, and talking to you today um, is Broken Teeth. You've got yeah. a new EP, a new Broken Teeth EP called Bulldozer, and you sent JC uh, some copies for us to listen to. And, and I, and I, I got to tell you, it's incredible. It's an EP, seven songs, and every song, I guess you just basically trim the fat, and this is what you were left with and put out an EP. Am I right? Instead of an LP? Well, we're, we're just slow. You know, <laughs> uh, we, uh, we, we wish everything could just be a full length all the time. Um, you know, every time we put something together, it's, and, and we ha do have a few releases that are, are regurgitated material like uh, sometimes we'll release a song and make a video for it and and do a little bit of PR push on it just to try to keep some game you know just to try to have some some face you know and um, and you know it, it it ties people over a little bit but it only ties over the people that who have us on their radar it doesn't really do doesn't really blast as big as we would like as big as like a full on a full record a full release would but um <clears throat> so you know bulldozer does have a couple songs on it that have come out even years prior like i think you had even heard flamethrower and devil on the road before yeah i mean devil on the road is is from 2012 right that's that's old and the and we, this sounds bad too, but uh, the bass player that was with us uh, when we recorded Devil on the Road, he passed away a few years ago. Oh, I didn't and, know that. Yeah, and we wanted to do uh, put it on vinyl. We'd never been on vinyl before as this band, you know, and we, uh, we wanted to dedicate that release to, uh, to Travis, so... He's uh, on the the back of the record. Uh, it it says dedicated to the memory of Travis Weiss, and uh, so so that's one of the reasons why we did that. And and uh, there was no pressure to do that, but we just we we wholeheartedly just wanted to make sure that he was remembered forever, you know. So, but yeah, Bulldozer. I thought it came out surprisingly well as a flowing record you know sometimes you just have a bunch of mix match on there and you hope that it works out but it flew it it, it flows really good as a record so i find mo more and more people are just putting bands are putting out eps over lps i mean when you look at down i remember reading an article recently on down and and they were saying that they're just going to be releasing EPs from now on. And I thought maybe that's the kind of you're following suit with this bulldozer EP. 
Interesting. No, I I remember in the uh, nostalgia, of course. I I remember in the um, in the eighties when it was uh, kind of a a big deal and definitely a collector's item because it was seemingly released as just low numbers. But Iron Maiden used to put out these twelve inch. <laughs> yeah. And it would always have the Derek Riggs artwork on it, some new piece, you know. And um, it it was it, those were coveted and and uh, a wonderful thing to collect. And a lot of my friends still have all those. They usually had a paper insert. It wasn't a cardboard sleeve, you know, like a record. And it was in a plastic resealable, and uh, you could get them for about ten or twelve dollars. And those only had about three or four songs on them. Yeah, some of them had like B cuts that were super rare, and I know yeah. I have one, the two minutes to midnight one, where it's just like I think it's an argument or something. It's just like a conversation. Oh whoa! Well, <clears throat> anyway, I thought that it was a, a great idea to sort of try to. And Bulldozer was originally going to be a maxi single like that. They used to even say right on the art printed artwork on those Iron Maiden maxi single and i think it was a a uk thing or a european thing where it was a 12 inch you know three songs sometimes two of the songs would be live and you know or like you said just super rare and weird and and uh anyway so that was the original idea to to do it but because we we didn't we're thinking do we want to you know stick on things that have already been out for as long as three years by then, you know. And um, the the EP doesn't let up. I mean, every track is is really like. I think I wrote you an email, and I'm. <clears throat> I must say, like in the world of rock and roll, I think there was another guy I had on the podcast, Bjorn Street from Soilwork, and he can go from like soaring high end vocals, um, like Ronnie James Dio to like full-on death metal vocals and i think he is one of the most versatile singers in metal when it comes to rock and roll i feel your voice is one of the most versatile voices and uh it's a familiar voice that people can't really pin down when i hear you do go from judas priest to like a metal voice in evil united to like a full-on kind of Bon Scotty, Brian Johnson-y kind of voice in Broken Teeth. And and then there's that, you know, the Axel kind of voice and, you know, with Dangerous Toys and Broken Teeth. I mean, those those singers that I just named are are so wide, nobody can really take them on on their own. And yet here you are, you know, covering all the bases. I I, I really feel that when it comes to rock and roll, Broken Teeth are a band that that you know is one of the new leaders of the new what i like to fashion as the new rock and roll contingent of bands um i think it goes back to the style of writing the style of songs that we have and i, I you know and and back at you as far as name dropping danko jones is, is on the tip of my tongue I'm, i can't wait to scream danko jones in somebody's face when they start talking about rock and roll uh, because oh, you're kind thanks, of man. you're kind of flying the flag worldwide for real rock and roll, and you know me, I've always said that. 
I also wanted to I also wanted to talk and touch upon uh, something that you have the the esteemed distinction of being probably the only guy who has been name dropped. I know I brought this up with you before. Who have you have been name dropped in at least three notable rock and roll biographies. And I think a lot of people have read these books and, you know, there's a lot of, of, of stuff to read in them and sometimes it just flies by them. But Gene Simmons, Lemmy Kilmeister, and Tom G. Warrior in their own autobiographies name-dropped you. And every single time, I haven't read the Tom G. Warrior one. You told me about that one. But mm-hmm. the Lemmy one and the Gene Simmons one, when I was reading those two books and I saw your name on the page, it was like it's, your name glowed on the page to me. I was like, holy shit, man. Gene just fucking name dropped Jason. And then again, Lemmy did it. So I have to ask you, how did how did what is your what is your history with those two gentlemen and including Tom G. Warrior, if you if you could talk about him as well, Tom Gabriel Fisher? Sure. Uh, Tom, I had never met before until my band Watchtower, which is a a whole nother conversation. Yes. Watch, Watchtower is uh, arguably a pioneer of progressive thrash metal that started as early as 1982. But anyway, uh, we were children then. But the the, um, the Celtic Frost, Celtic Frost, if you wish, um, we, Watchtower, were on a bill with Voivod and... Celtic Frost here in Austin, and I was big on pen pen palling. This is before the digital age. It was where people took out a pen, and they took out a piece of paper, and they licked a stamp, and they went to the post office, and they mailed it, and a few weeks later, someone else who did the same thing uh, would do the same, and you would it would pen pal. You would go back and forth and write letters to each other. Okay. Uh, I knew people, uh, some Swiss metal fans that worked for their management, um, that were, you know, interning at noise records or whatever. And, uh, anyway, so when I knew Celtic Frost was coming over and, and, uh, they knew I was a big fan before they got here, they were big Watchtower fans. Uh, Tom was a big Watchtower fan. So we finally met at Soundcheck. This was in 1986. Um, and we hung out all day and, um, I got up and sang morbid tales with them that night during their set. And, uh, that made a mention in uh, in the book, which the title of the book is the title of that record. Mm-hmm. What was that? Are you morbid? Are you morbid? Right. Yeah. So uh, that was pretty much how that story went, and um, Tom uh, is a very articulate man. And uh, very interesting, and uh, I, I had no idea that he would 
write a book and I, I don't even feel worthy of being mentioned in the book actually, but I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. So there's not really a whole lot to that story other than that, but we got along real good and, and, uh, I was a big fan. So I was just a fanboy, you know what I mean? And I, and it made an impact and he was a big watchtower fan. I remember I, uh, Gave him some Watchtower merchandise. He wore his Watchtower shirt on stage that night, so I guess he was kind of fanboying a little bit too. Cool. But uh, we we uh, we had a good uh, a good time. I have a shirt that Martin Ain. I traded my uh, Misfits shirt for a shirt that Martin Ain was wearing, and I still have the shirt. It's about as big as a dish rag. <laughs> now because you know i was a skinny little person back then and uh anyway i still have that i could go on and tell stories but anyway that that's that about that book because that's the, a super rare book like that's the reason why i haven't yeah. read it because like i i can't find it and the online copies are you know over a hundred dollars now yeah the the uh, book is actually called into the pandemonium uh like quote are you morbid ah. and uh <clears throat> it's got like a blue and black cover anyway um the gene simmons book i'm not even quite sure which gene simmons book that was and i'm not sure if he meant is mentioning me because of uh my old kiss tribute band called sick kiss spelled backwards or what the context is do you recall uh, I do not recall, but I, kn- I do know that it is in Gene's uh, autobiography. Okay. Yeah. Well, he, he, I think he mentions, uh, I think he, he's mentioning sick. And um, uh, I'm, I'm not sure how we were on his radar or what, if he's just mentioning, uh, I don't know, worthy tribute bands or, you know, yeah, because. I can't I, remember. Yeah, I think uh, I think that there's a, actually a sick uh, flyer poster printed in the Kistory book. Ooh, I have to look at that. Ooh, I have to yeah. go back and find that. I don't know how large it is, but I believe there is a sick. Now, not to be confused with uh, another European tribute with the same name. Right. The other book was. Uh, what was it? Uh, Let me kill Meister's white white line fever, and I kind of know that connection. Yeah, that story that story is uh, a little more popular mm-hmm. uh, because the dangerous toy, the Sony Music Tour uh, Operation <laughs> Rock and Roll, where where Motorhead, Metal Church, Dangerous Toys, Judas Priest, and Alice Cooper were doing a cleanup before uh, Sony Music sort of got rid of a bunch of their roster to make way for uh, the Seattle sound, which is fine. I would have done the exact same thing. Uh, but uh, I, I met Lemmy at the Whiskey when we were recording the first Dangerous Toys record, so that would have been as early as 88. Right. And uh, we met through Max Norman, and um, that was funny. I, I, I would do a Lemmy uh, impersonation, which was, which is fucking awful. Uh, 
and stupid. <laughs> it sounded like a cartoon voice or something, right? And uh, and fucking Max made me do it for Lemmy. Like, well, there he is. Now you're going to do it. I'm oh, like, my God. Yeah, totally embarrassed. I wanted to run away. <laughs> But I couldn't run away. There's Lemmy right in front of me. I didn't want to run away. I was like, I wanted to kiss him, you know. And uh, and I did it, and, he, and Lemmy just rolled his eyes. You know, he didn't have a comment or anything. He just rolled his eyes. And uh, that didn't bother me. We ended up sitting at his table with him for about an hour or so. Okay. It was, it was like, oh, yeah, it was fine. You know, Lemmy was kind of like that. He was... He was uh, kind of cartoony himself and and uh kind of fun and didn't mind chatting i mean i spent a lot of time with lemmy on his bus uh the the times that i was you know he he's one of those guys that would let you in if you uh were on some kind of level and i'm not even sure what kind of level because he he hung out with wrestlers and shit you know <laughs> Anyways, i'm not on any level of like a wrestler it's like i would run away i'd be scared of those guys speaking of cartoony and uh anyway so so you know i i love that about lemmy uh, uh, that he could party with a rattlesnake and he could party with mickey mouse you know those not really a whole lot of judging yeah and i think that uh you know him uh, you know, <clears throat> like it was the the truth. He would tell the truth, and it would be like you know, dangerous toys. Yeah, awful band, but nice guys. You know, and he would say it nonchalantly and very gentlemanly, and, and there was no problem because he was telling you the truth. And um, I don't even know. I don't recall exactly the wording in White Line Fever, but it was. You know, every whenever there was a day, I think it was pertaining to the tour. And then we did this Sony tour and blah, blah, blah. And Dangerous Toys had this singer with red hair and sang everything in falsetto like Axel. Uh, you could tell that, uh, well, I'm doing pretty good because I do think that this is verbatim. Uh, he says, uh, he says, I could tell that they were the apple of Sony's eye. Something like that. Okay. Yeah. But that's about all. He didn't mention anybody personally by name. That wasn't a that, that he didn't mention you by name. He didn't mention your name. He didn't say Jason. He said oh. there was that had a singer with red hair that sang everything oh. in falsetto like Axl Rose. Right, right, and that's you. Yeah. I mean, that's he's describing you. But I mean, that's yeah. kind of that's a compliment. Jeez. Yeah, I'll take it. I'll take yeah. it. Just the fact that Lemmy remembered you is is fine. It's <laughs> yes. totally fine. You know. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and dangerous toys are mentioned also in um, the dirt, the Motley Crue thing. Oh, John, I didn't catch that in the Karabi section because okay. uh, when Karabi was in the Scream, right? Uh, they supported Dangerous Toys. That was, this would have been in like '92. Okay, yeah. And uh, Karabi's pretty cool guy, and and uh, and when he got when he got the Motley Crue gig, it was. Where everyone was real excited, and you know, anybody's better than Vince Neil, but to get a badass like John Karabi, you know, um, 
he uh, he was just mentioning, you know, hey, and we, and we, I was in the Scream, and we did this tour with Dangerous Toys, and that was that. So, yeah, I mean, all of the little mentions in the books, uh, you know, I guess if you line them up next to each other, I guess it looks like I've made a little bit of an impact, uh, and I'll take it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think that's even just to get a mention in those. I mean, those are, I mean, the dirt pretty much created the rock biography for the last you know 10 15 years there's been just a flurry of them and it stems yeah. from the popularity of that book and and then of course lemmy's book and gene simmons's book i mean these are these are books that you know serious rock fans will spend the time and read and you're in all of them and i think that's a great distinction to have well you know there's one book we haven't mentioned and that's your book oh yeah yeah, I'm in that one too. By oh the way. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's that might be my favorite. And I do now remember there's even a photograph of you and JC and yeah. myself. I think that yeah. was taken on your driveway. Yeah, I, I think that the one that of of us just hanging on my driveway. I don't think that that one made the cut. I think it was one with me and you on stage together at in Austin. It was Kenny Kenny Sanford's uh, yeah. photo of yeah. us from the from the South by gig or something. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, the the other photo wasn't wasn't high res enough. That's what she was saying. That's what I remember. Because I thought that maybe in my head it's just I love that photo so much. Well, we I I, I love that whole day, man. That was such a great day. We we were in my crappy old van, which is now dead, and we we went to the mall and we talked about Metallica the whole time. I I totally remember, and you told me you were used to be pen pals with James. Well, while we're on that subject, do you mind if I jump in here? Absolutely. The new uh, reissues of Kill 'Em All and uh, Ride the Lightning. Uh, do you? Them uh, yet? Oh, oh man, I, I, I can't even talk about it because I haven't gotten them yet. And uh, it's bugging the fucking hell out of me. My bandmates know. I just bring it up all the time how I don't have it yet. Well, <clears throat> do you mind if I, I throw some bragging in here? Yes. Yes, I want to know. The both coffee table books inside of those releases have my letters. Well, it would be. It would be the Ride the Lightning one. They printed my letter from James. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. And then, like, uh, posters I had, uh, flyers more like, from shows from uh, that Ride the Lightning tour. They came through Texas. They printed that. They printed all, everything I sent them, they printed it. Oh, so you did send them stuff. Uh, Oh, yeah. Did they uh, reach out to you, or how how did they? Yeah, they, uh, the... The Met Club, like the fan club, yeah, they send out a form email, you know, hey, anything you got from, you know, those early tours, uh, you know, scan them and email them to us and uh, don't send your originals because you're not going to get them back. And, um, you know, if we like them, we'll print them. And I'm like, oh, that's awesome. I knew I've been hoarding this shit for years for a reason. <laughs> you know? so, so, you know, literally taking a couple of things out of frames to put on the scanner and then carefully putting them back in the frames. I scanned a bunch of stuff, including the letters from James, <clears throat> and sent them. And that was like a year ago. So about three months ago. Yeah. 
I got an email from their management with a uh, release form, which told me, aha, they printed my shit. Yeah. So I signed the release form, sent it back. And, and I, you know, I don't recall at any point of contact where there was information saying, and we're going to send you some free shit. That was my next question. Yeah, there was no there was no uh, inkling of info about that. I, as far as I remember, but so about two weeks ago, I come home from work, and there's two black boxes. Oh man, that's on amazing. my porch. That's awesome, man. And I'm like looking at them, and I'm going, I didn't order anything, and I'm thinking, what, what, and then I just like. A feeling came over me, right? And I was like, oh, Jesus, I know what those are. And so when I opened them, it was like I had found, you know, alien bodies. You know what I mean? <laughs> I was being real careful. And are you there? Can you hear me? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was being very careful. I took I took photos of them and. And, uh, you know, uh, immediately sent the photos out to my friends going, look what I got, bitch. <laughs> wow, so, man. Uh, it was a happy, happy day. And uh, you can, my, my wife and I looked at those for hours that night. And every time I'd turn the page and see something of mine, it was like, <gasps> you know, kind of a. Indiana Jones opening the crypt, you know. That uh, was but a... but my name uh, my name is in the special thanks list with only like fifteen or twenty other names on both in both coffee table books. Wow, pretty special. Yeah, yeah. And you have a way of getting in there now. But you know that day that you mentioned when we took that photo that almost ended up in our book. Yeah. I don't know how much. Oh, how aware you are, how, how important that day was for me as a player, because we went to your work. You, 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 you told me to get this pedal and it's the Charlie Sexton sex drive pedal. Yeah, that's right. And I used that all over the world after that. It was my only overdrive pedal that I used for years. Wow. And that made it onto albums and everything. I, I swear by that pedal. That wow. Charlie Sexton sex drive pedal. And I've told that in interviews, too, when people go, oh, what's your gear? And I'm not a gearhead by any stretch. Like, I just like what I like and I don't want I just want to stick with it. And right. uh, so but, you know, you you do these interviews and eventually you do these kind of gear type interviews with music, um, musician type magazines. And sure. I always say, like, yeah, the Charlie Sexton sex drive pedal and. I got turned on to it in Austin, you know, probably around the corner from the guy's house by by Jason McMaster. So yeah. I don't South know. Austin music. Yeah, I, I don't know how 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 if you know that or not, but I took that pedal around the world with me. No, I did not know that. Yeah. Uh, I think we had talked about it once before how you you loved it and were using it, but I didn't realize on what scale it was actually uh kind of taking you yeah right? i think i've gone through three of them since then do you know who charlie sexton is oh yeah oh yeah he's uh a, an amazing guitar player 
in his own right archangels i love that album they did yeah that's an amazing record um i love that album that they did only one right that one album they did yeah Yeah. i love it and they 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 get together every few years and and do they you know they play that album they have a gig every once in a while so that's kind of cool but do you know do you know who charlie plays for and has been playing for for years now no bob dylan oh wow (laughs) yeah well i mean a guy like that i mean with those chops he's got to land a pretty stellar gig you know that makes sense oh yeah well he's a he's a big david bowie guy you can tell when you listen to him sing he's a big bowie guy and um, he, his son goes to a little elementary, or did go to a, this elementary school around the corner from my house, and the, he's gotten up and done some projects with the the choir, the school choir there. Oh wow! And, uh, and uh, recently, Charlie called me and um, said, uh, uh, Hey, I need you uh, to do this. Go do this gig because it's not really in my wheelhouse. Long story short, the choir was going to do a thing during South by Southwest for the movie Heavy Metal Parking Lot. Uh, they were going to set up in front of a giant screen down uh, downtown, and uh, they wanted me to sing a Judas Priest song. <laughs> so I got up and did. It's on YouTube. Of me doing, uh, you got another thing coming with a live band and this huge children's choir uh, singing. You got another thing coming. It was great. Oh, but, that's amazing. Yeah, I gotta check it out. Yeah, it's very very cool. But that's cool. Yeah, that's great. Um, I mean, you know, this talk with you can go on for hours because I can talk. I can touch on like you know the Kill 'Em All and the Sick tribute bands, and and then you know there's one band I wanted to talk to you about is the Godzilla Motor Company with Bobby from from um, Honky, who's now in Down. Is Correct. that still going on? Godzilla uh, died in uh, 2003. 2002, 2003, we recorded enough material for like two records. And then um, it's on a hard drive somewhere. And there was a friend of mine who's probably mixed about three out of like 17 songs. He mixed like three and they sound amazing. And the rest of it's kind of in rough mix form, you know. Uh, but probably some of the best metal that I've ever written. And I was playing bass, <clears throat> playing bass and singing in that project. And <clears throat> it went on from about 98 till 2003. Yeah. And we just couldn't get it. We just couldn't get it to sort of crack. But <clears throat> some great material. I loved, loved writing songs with Bobby. He's uh, he's someone that I just I just no, I didn't but a couple of years ago I I ran into him on the motorboat cruise and he's joined down now so I'm really happy for Bobby. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everyone everyone around here is is way uh, excited for him, and uh, he's uh, he's he he's very humble and he is very in my opinion very deserving of that gig. <clears throat> he was actually guitar taking for Kirk. Yeah, that's how he kind of just uh, just kind of handed over the gig. He 
Kirk told Phil, it's like, you just, you just, you just give this gig to Bobby. I'm not into it anymore. You know, something like that. So. Yeah. Bobby's a, an incredible guitar player. We played with honky once and, uh, I was like, who's that guy on guitar? That's when I met him. Yeah. Wasn't and, that in Denver? Yeah. Were you there? No. It was with, uh, Nashville Pussy and the Super Suckers. Yeah. No, but you were in Austin with the, ooh, not the, maybe it was the Hives. You were opening for some, for the Hives, I think. Yeah, we've done that before there. Emos, and uh, you you were mentioned, you you mentioned Honky on stage, and I thought that was really badass. They're amazing. I mean, they were an amazing band. I was just like, what the fuck? Like, who, who is this band? Yeah, Honky is like, like uh, stoner rock without the Black Sabbath influence. They, <laughs> yeah. They, re- they replaced the Black Sabbath with ZZ Top. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. an incredible description. That's bang on. Yeah. And it's very, very funky, like yep. ZZ Top. And it's very uh, danceable. But, you know, they got some they, lots of boogie woogie, but it's, it's fucking heavy. And I just loved, I just remember that show so well, like, um, with Jeff on bass and they would finish the songs and bow. And then um, I think Jeff's, I think it was Jeff's case. His bass case was just filled with like porno pictures ripped out from magazines. Yeah. They like, call that set list paper. Yeah. Or that was, they used that for the set list. <laughs> yeah. And set I was, list paper. I, I was just, I was like, who are these guys? This is incredible. Like I just yeah. love the whole the whole package of that band. Yeah. It was great. But I'm gl- yeah, I mean, they're still doing it. Oh, they are. Yeah, Honky's still around. Even with Bob Jeff's in the Jeff's in the Melvins now, right? Or or kind yeah. of. Yeah. And uh so I think that the last sort of big thing the Melvins did, Honky was the opening band. Oh man, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, that's cool. I mean, I'm I'm really happy for Bobby too, and and the down gig, and um, yeah, if there's anyone who deserves like a really prestigious name gig, it, it's that dude right there. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> he's probably had to deal with a little bit of headache with the Anselmo yeah. issues. Yeah. But no, that's okay. I'm I'm. Uh, I, well, you know, it's a, nothing to do with Bobby. No, it doesn't have but, anything yeah. to do with anything really, other than. Uh, a, mis- a big mistake. Yeah. Uh, I, when that happened, that went down. I was like, "Oh man, I hope that doesn't, you know, tarnish anything for Bobby, um, because he's he's such a great guitar player and he's a right. really really nice guy, man. Like, oh yeah. When we were on the motorboat, he came up to me like he saw me first, and I was like, whoa, whoa, "Holy shit, man!" Like. He goes, I joined the band because I knew he was we'd run into each other when we were on a festival with down over in Europe. And I that's when I realized he was teching for him. But right. I didn't know he had joined at that point. So it was really nice to see him. And then he brought me on stage at one of the the down slots on the on the boat. So that was very nice. About this group from Manchester 
for a while, for like a long while. Okay. And uh, I've had a couple of emails back and forth between someone in their camp. And uh, they were very humble in the idea that, man, we're just we're just a punk rock band trying to have fun. And I think that that kind of touched my heart a little bit. And, and I actually think that they're kind of good. You know, I'm mm-hmm. just glad that it's not some like somebody who's not coming from the right place, you know. But the thing that's irk, that's irking me is the fact that they didn't do any kind of name search when they named their band well after we had already been using the name and putting out material. Because Broken Teeth's been a band for going on 17 years. And they have been a band since... They're, they're obviously younger than we. So uh, I think that they started using the name... 2004 or something like that right so i own the uh registered trademark in the northern u.s but it was just plain old i cannot afford to take that registered trademark internationally it was all a matter of how much money i could give a lawyer to do that so it's really sad story um, I think that over here they're going to have to put UK the, the HC or the UK right uh, I think the HC like heartbroken teeth hardcore or something right but, but uh, it's it's a big bummer even though I don't think anyone will have have trouble uh, you know with con- being confused as soon as they see a product or hear the band they're going to go oh this is it or this is not it uh but it's just it's it's totally crap that those those guys didn't say, oh, well, we can't use broken teeth because there's this already this Texas band using it. You know, I mean, that's what wouldn't that be the thing? Yeah, it would. I mean, uh, it's it's too bad that um, that has happened. And but, you know, there's other examples of that that are they're coexisting quite fine. And even in the same genre, there's a band called Shining and another band called The Shining. Uh, one's from Sweden, the other one's from Norway. And I actually <laughs> asked the, the, the main guy from the Norwegian Shining, and he said that they're both cool with each other. And uh, they're, both, they're both in the metal genre, but they're, right. okay. they're cool with it. And, and nobody seems to... Uh, no one is getting confused, even though it's within the same genre. Um, the Norwegian Shining is is experimental as much as it is um, metallic um, and proggy. Uh, they call themselves black jazz. There's a saxophone, but it's like heavy. I, I oh, love them. Cool. Yeah, I, I love them. They're amazing. And I've had Jorgen on the podcast. And that's when I asked him about the Swedish Shining. And he says they're, they, they're aware of each other. They know each other. But they're cool with it, right? And uh, the same. Well, Van, Van Halen was already taken, so. <laughs> well, that's and I think you guys being not even in the same kind of genre. No. Um, no. I think you can coexist. And when I first started seeing their name popping up on, you know, various posts or blogs or sites, I was like, "Oh, Jason's doing something. Oh, this is, 
Right. Oh, this is new. I. My was a P, do you know about the PR blast that 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 uh, somebody caught wind of? You know, broken teeth signs to nuclear blast, and then there was a big PR that had been somebody pulled the trigger on it. They had my logo, my band photo, with quotes from their singer. Well, then that's just you know what that is lazy, no yeah. lazy journalism on whoever that's, posted it. That's and, right, and. We are, you know, we, we exist now. What exists is this blogosphere, which is, you know, there's great blogs, but there's a, a hell of a lot more lazy, idiotic people who do stupid shit like that yeah. and <clears throat> cause more confusion than they do, you know, than they do to like straighten yeah. shit out. And I think that's fucked up, but it's, well, I don't think it's the band's fault. No, not at all. It was <clears throat> not theirs nor mine, correct. And the, the, um, it was it was deleted less than 24 hours later, and uh, I got very sincere apologies from that journalist. So oh good, yeah fuck, and that's bullshit. But you know I see the shining, uh, the two that coexist together, uh, as a as an example of like, you know a name being used by two different parties, and ev- everyone's fine with it. It it it's it's okay. It's it, it's it is it is what it is, and they are on the other side of the pond in, in another genre. But you know, I, I, it's a tough call. It's easy for me to sit here and go, "Oh yeah, you could do it," but I I'm, I understand how much it might bother you. Well, I've had to, I've had some time to get over it, but you know, I mean, I've had years to get over it because, like I said, you know. I've known about it for a long time, and uh, like I've been in contact with them, and you know, the all I can do is take a deep breath and say, well, you know, I think that they're coming from the right place at least, and but you know, I think that business is business. If I had the money and a hotshot lawyer who was willing to take it all the way over the pond to to stomp on them, I would probably do it because I'm very proud of my rock and roll. But yeah, I understand. Yeah, it's but tough. It, at least they're good. You know, at least that they're. I think that there's you know there's something real about them that I can appreciate. You know what they should do to make up for it is take you guys on tour over there that would be fun that would be fucking amazing yeah the broken Broken teeth Teeth tour yeah exactly yeah it would be a that's a it would cover the gamut they would they could get their metal and their rock history lesson bang bang yeah yeah that's a great idea what a good fantasia that's a great idea that would and and they would you, you know all you guys have to do is bring your guitars and your cymbals and that's it. Yeah. Like, come on, give them a break. They flew, they flew over here to do the, the tour. Right. You know, and they've been around longer than you, so just give them the slot and let's make a fun go of it. And, it, it, I mean, in terms of a PR move, like, come on. Yeah, I think th- I think that's a great idea. You guys, wonder- both parties <laughs> end up looking looking great they you yeah. guys look great because you're letting this happen and them use the name and they look great because it's all cool with you know they're not trying to scam anything and everyone's cool right there was a uh there was a band from st louis 
uh, Dangerous Toys record had just first record had just come out, MTV, the whole thing, and we were doing our first tour. We were still in clubs at that time. Um, we played this little club called First Rock, and the house band there was called Broken Toys. <laughs> And we had a night off the night before we were supposed to play there with Broken Toys. <laughs> and Broken Toys was playing the, on that, that the night before. Like I said, they were the house band. They played covers and whatever. It's a Jason right? McMaster tribute band, right? Totally. And uh, I knew you would catch that right away. So I walked in. You know, we, we go up to the club and we have our laminates and we're, you know, just for proof because we're a new band, right? And we're, we're, we're playing here tomorrow. We were wondering if we could come in and check out the band and hang out, you know. And they're like, hell yeah, come on in. Soon as we got in there, it was like, oh, dangerous toys, guys. You know, the whole, their, their loyal following started approaching us you're this band dangerous toy yeah we're playing here tomorrow y'all gonna be here cool come out and check it out and they're like y'all need to change your name what it's too late we're on mtv and shit what are you saying we have to change our name yeah it was like basically a giant middle finger to their their crew right just giant middle finger from their loyal following sorry and um and we were like, you know, kind of shrugging, going, sorry, Charlie, you know, this is this is what you're going to get. So we ended up meeting the guys in the band and Broken Toys and uh, watching them play. And they were fucking great. And uh, uh, long story short, got, I hung out with those guys all night and uh, we had a fantastic gig the next day, and their fans came around. And, of course, we had our shit together and, and had our own fans as well, and it just ended up being a great weekend there. But I ended up getting those guys a record deal uh, through our publishing company because I knew that you know they had this very kind of good-looking lead singer guy who was super, super talented. He was a rock singer that would whip out a saxophone and play solos and stuff, and they were they were a rock band, and the guitar player was like a Steve Vai kind of a guy, but they were a rock band. So um, I ended up getting taking their demo tapes and uh, sending them off to our publishing company, and I ended up getting them a record deal. And, uh, they, of course, they had to change their name. This is all very surreal, remembering all this. But uh, they ended up changing their name to, get this, King of the Hill. King of the Hill. They changed their name to King of the Hill. This was just prior to Mike Judge creating the cartoon King of the Hill. Oh, my God. <laughs> so those guys were screwed no matter what. Oh, my God. Yeah. But they're, they were sweetheart guys. They were very, very, very talented. And I think that the singer ended up in some kind of Prince tribute band because you know, he, he was very much a Prince type of a guy. But anyway, uh, that's a cool, weird, funny <laughs> conundrum of, of events that are related to the broken teeth, broken teeth, you know? Oh, man. 
That's well, it is. this has been great, man. Yeah, thanks, Jason. Thanks a lot for doing this, man. Um, we're we're um, we're in like rough mixes and adding backup vocals and things like that to a full length new Broken Teeth record. Ah, okay. We've got nine original songs and we've got one cover on there. We did Rock Bottom by Kiss. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So. And when do you think that's going to be out? No idea, because uh, I hate to put it like a release date or guess or give any inkling because it never works out. Um, but uh, like I said, we are kind of warming up the songs and, and we work on it just whenever we have time. But the songs are tracked. Wow. OK. Songs written and tracked already. And I feel like Bulldozer is still kind of whispering on the kind of new you know, still kind of on people's lips a little bit, rolled right. up. So we're in a real good place. Yeah. New uh, New Evil United coming too. Those those got nine songs, and uh, New Igniter as well. But anyway, yeah. I'm I, I was writing three. Yes, I've been writing three original records all at the same time. I, I'm gonna. I I can't even keep up. <laughs> <laughs> We didn't Not, even touch on Evil United, and I love Evil United. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be cool. I'll uh, as soon as I have some demo stuff, I'll I'll send you a couple of songs. Yeah, I, I love to hear them, man. I'm uh, hey. I, I think your voice is 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 one of the best in rock and roll music. Thank you very much. That means a lot coming from you, dude. Speaking of, on uh, I'm getting into drugs. You hit some notes I've never heard you hit before. <laughs> well, there's, a, there's a little bit of a high where you're kind of singing above the break there. I'm getting in the I, I tried to, I tried to, yeah, they, yeah, it was a sweaty session, man. I, I, well, I was pushed. Well, it, <clears throat> it paid off. Yeah, it was, it was a tough, it was the, that album, the Fire Music album uh, vocal sessions were tough. Wait, you sound you sound you're you're at top of your game on that record. Thanks, man. Thank yeah. you. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks, Jason. Yeah. Thank you, man. This has been yeah. awesome. The awesome. pleasure is all mine. I will be in touch. Okay. Thank you. Take care, man. Bye, Jason. Bye, bye. So here I am.